Good morning. It's great to be with you guys today. Welcome. Uh, we're back indoors, and so uh, it's good to be with you all back in here. Uh, welcome to our friends who are joining us from home. I saw that there were several people on there, so welcome you guys, and um, we look forward to being with you all again at some point in the future, too. We are starting, well, we started last week outside. It was a bit of a, uh, a preview, if you will, of a series that we started that we're going to continue for the next seven weeks, uh, called, and we're, we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. It's simply called I Am. And um, we're looking at these seven statements that come out of the Gospel of John, very familiar uh, terms to many of us. I am the good shepherd. I am the way of uh, the truth and the life. Uh, I am the vine. And uh, what we said last week as we started this series is this is kind of the premise of this, uh, this whole conversation that we're going to have, is that um, the God that we imagine the God that we picture in our mind, is the God that we live with. The God that we picture, the God that we imagine, the God that we know, that's the God that we live with. That's the God that we relate to, whether or not that's the God of reality. And so um, Jesus has come to reveal who God actually is so that we might live with him instead of the false pictures of what we have in our minds and how we relate to him. And all of us have this. It's, you know, I've been a believer for over 20 years now, and um, even, you know, you're going to hear a little bit of uh, my story from this week, realizing how I, s- I still do not live with the God who is real. I live with a false picture of what God is like. That influence and taints everything about not only the way that I relate to God, but the way that I relate to other people, my kids, my wife, you all, uh, is in need of healing. So uh, today, we're looking at the bread of life, yes? Good. Uh, and it comes out of John 6, if you want to follow along, it's on page 741 in the Bibles that we've got in our seats, and we're going to be looking at verses 25 to 59. If you're flipping over to those things, let me orient us to what's happening before we get to the actual text. Jesus has just fed a a crowd of 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And there were a few leftovers, but not many. And um, after this miraculous event, Jesus gets away by himself and his his, uh, disciples decide to take a boat across the Sea of Galilee. And they hit a storm along the way. Jesus walks on water out to to meet them, and he calms the storm. And eventually they get to the other side, and it's now the next day. It's the morning of the next day after he fed the crowd. And the crowd, who he had previously fed the, the day before, has now come, walked across the outside of the, the lake to find him and meet him. Almost as soon as they get off the boat. Okay? This is what happens next. John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. And they asked Him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the One He has sent. So they asked Him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Um, Yesterday, I was at home uh, with my kids all day on a Saturday. Uh, Shortly after school uh, has now begun, school year is is back in session. It was our first day to kind of like relax, I guess, (laughs) if you can call it that. From, uh, from a new uh, rhythm of life. And like all days at home with three boys, they were incredibly well-behaved and no one fought each other and they were kind all day. Why are you laughing? It's almost like you know I told a lie just then. Uh, no, they fought all day. And fought, and fought, and fought. And at one point in particular, um, two of the three were fighting over one swing in our backyard. And you think to yourself, like, Jay, why do you only have one swing and three boys? And the answer is, I don't have one swing. I have three swings. But one of my boys decided to incapacitate two out of the three. <laughs> and, you, and can you guess if this fight that was happening included the one kid who incapacitated the other two? Of course it did. Of course it did. So they're fighting over this one swing. Uh, The youngest one is used to swinging on the swing, and the other one is trying to take it over by force or by trickery. And uh, and so they're just going at it over this one swing. And I realized as I watched them uh, from my deck as I was trying to do work and uh, unsuccessfully, as they were kind of fighting over this thing for like the third time in the course of an hour, that this image of them struggling to get the one remaining swing is like the perfect metaphor for life right now. (laughs) It just felt like the perfect, I was like, oh, man. Like everything feels like what I'm watching right now. As I look at life, as I look at myself, I just think like there are not enough resources to go around. And it's just, it's gotten worse and worse and worse recently, right? I mean, like, you have the pandemic, you've got, you know, civil and social issues, you have in- issues of inequality uh, in our country, around the world, you have, you know, hostile takeovers of nations. And you just, like, you watch people suffer and you're like, is there enough? 
is there enough for everybody? And it feels like there should be, but it's like someone's gone and incapacitated two out of the three resources, right? <laughs> it's like, man, it just it feels like we're all fighting over the one that's left. And um, as I was thinking about it, like part of the bad news that lives in me, it's probably the biggest bad news, is that the resource that's most lacking in life is the resource of me. I am the resource that's lacking when it comes to facing, you know, life, facing the challenges, facing the arguments that my kids are having that I just, I, you know, can't even face or meet the, that challenge. I'm watching my kids fighting over a swing and I'm wondering, like, why, why don't I have enough patience to deal with this? Why don't I have enough time to parent and pastor and be a good husband and, and do all the things that I need to do? Why do I have to deal with this again? Why? Why? Constantly feel like I'm the one swing and there's not enough of me to go around. And I, I'm noticing in that, this, like, because it pops up again and again and again, and I'm noticing that um, this pattern, right? I mean, you, you have to pay attention to your life and figure out, like, why do I keep asking the same questions again and again? And one of the things that I'm noticing is that I have a deep hunger to feel sufficient, to feel enough, to feel secure, and to feel those things by way of my own ability, strength, and wisdom. To be able to meet the challenges that lay in front of me with the storehouses that I already have, to not be dependent on anyone in order to face those things. And some days I sense that I have that sufficiency, and those days tend to be the days that I would call good days, right? I never have a bad day when I can, like, be autonomous and need everything on my own, right? The bad days for me, <laughs> like yesterday, are days that I don't feel like I have enough patience or strength or wisdom. I look at my day and I go, I just can't even. Can you relate to this? You know, for you it might be an issue of sufficiency. Like maybe I'm, you know, as I'm talking, you're like, yes, I want to be autonomous and sufficient in and of myself. I want my kids to leave me alone. I, w I want my coworkers to leave me alone. I just want to get through my day. I don't want to be tasked with too much. I don't want to be dependent on other people. Like maybe that's your story too. Um, but maybe you have a hunger for all other, other things. Maybe your, your hunger is a hunger for appreciation, for people to like notice your contribution or the, the work that you put in or the, the help that you give. You just don't feel like anyone sees who you really are or what you really do. Maybe you have a hunger to feel safe or secure and you look at the world and, and you see the, like, all the junk that's going on in the news and you just feel this anxiety and stress over it because you just... You desperately want to feel safe. Maybe your hunger is a hunger to, to accomplish things. Either to have a certain idea about yourself as someone who gets something done or because uh, you have a never-ending to-do list and you just have to get it done. 
Maybe you have a hunger to never be a burden to those around you. You've seen others kind of leech off of people and you just don't want to be that kind of person. Maybe you have a hunger to be thought well of by everyone. That if somebody has like a, even just a minor negative opinion about you, you like wince and you can't even look at it because you really want to belong. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Where do you find yourself lacking and in need? Friends, there's good news for us today. And the good news is this, that Jesus is God's ever-present provision for our hunger. Jesus is God's ever-present provision for our hunger. Our deepest need is satisfied. Not as we feast on the... um, the perishable bread, but as we feed on Christ, the imperishable bread of life. This Jesus, this bread of life, offers Himself to you and me right now. So take and eat. See, the, the, the problem isn't that we're hungry. Like, if you tell a starving person, like, just stop being so hungry. It does them no good, right? I mean, if we, if we went to our friends in Haiti who are incredibly food insecure and we said, just don't worry about it anymore, you know, trust God. They're like, That's, I do trust God, but like, where's the rice going to come from, you know? Like it's, and, and, and the Bible specifically tells us not to do that to each other. Not to pretend as if we don't have real needs. So the problem isn't that we're hungry. Everyone is hungry, physically, spiritually, emotionally. We have, we're built with hungers to be satisfied, not to be shamed. The problem is that, as is so often the case, I mean, you know, like we can all imagine this, like being hungry and like giving ourselves to the, the, the snack cabinet, you know, when dinner is like being made. This happens in my house all the time, right? I find myself doing it and snacking on things and then you're not hungry for the real meal. The problem is that the kind of bread that we so often eat and look to doesn't satiate the hunger that we have. The bread, and so the, the bread that we do eat, when we eat, and I'm talking not just physically but spiritually here, it reveals something about our appetites. Because anytime we look to a kind of bread that doesn't satisfy or orient us, and all of us have had this experience, we always wake up feeling hungry again. And in our, our story that we read today from John 6, the people are following Jesus because they're looking for physical bread for their hunger. They are hungry people, they are food insecure, they're from a poor region of Israel. And they don't have enough for themselves. We often think of this as like this grumbling horde that's just like out to get bread out of Jesus. Like there, there, there's a reason that they're following him around. <laughs> and, and Jesus doesn't shame them for their hunger. He doesn't turn them away. But he does try. He, he, he makes several attempts. Unsuccessfully, by the way. Did you ever think of that? Like that God could be unsuccessful in something? Jesus makes several attempts to reorient their hunger towards what they're actually after, and they continue not to get it. 
He tries again and again to make a deeper connection to what they need and how to meet that need. And so he says, I'm the bread of life. In other words, here standing before you is the eternal bread of life available to satiate and quench your deepest hunger and your, and your deepest thirst. Now, I, I mentioned this already, uh, um, but the, the, Jesus fed these people already, right? The day before, they got their fill. I mean, everybody had seconds. And we, we, but we often skip over the details of that story. Or we don't see it through the lens that John and other um, New Testament writers are trying to help us to see what's actually going on. So, so just think about some of the details of this story. Jesus goes up to a mountain to teach. Um, it says in several of the Gospels that this feeding happened in a desolate place. Think wilderness. So these people go into the wilderness. They find a man who teaches on a mountain. And the people left their homes behind, their safe places, where, yes, they were insecure, but they, they had need. And so they followed Jesus out into the wilderness because they're hungry. And he feeds them from a miraculous storehouse that shows up without explanation. And there are leftovers, but not enough to eat the next day. Any bells going off? <laughs> right? I mean, it even says at one, like, they even say at one point, like, Moses gave us manna. Ding, 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 ding. They're thinking to themselves, this is the new Exodus. Jesus is the new Moses, and he's got manna from heaven. And so, I, I mean, imagine that you're, you, you're steeped in this story from the day that you're like two years old until adulthood. You're thinking to yourselves, like, if, if we want to not be so insecure, if we want to have our needs met, like, what did our ancestors do? Every morning they got up and they followed the cloud and the fire to wherever it landed, and then they waited around for the food to appear again. That's what faith looked like to them. That's the whole reason Jesus doesn't shame them. They're doing what their ancestors told them to do when manna shows up. And so they're, they're, the whole reason they go to the other side of the lake to get the next day's food is that that's exactly what the people did in Moses' day. And they're thinking to themselves, if we don't keep, keep up and keep going, if we don't follow after this new Moses then we're going to go back to being hungry again. He's going to pass us by. We'll be left to die out here in the wilderness. This is the whole reason they walk the circumference of the lake. They're not lazy. They're starving. That's why they ask. Like the first question they ask is, hey, Jesus, when did you get here? Like, did the manna already come? Did we miss it? These people are anxious and in need and tired. And Jesus tells these tired, weary, hungry people, you're looking for me because I was able to satisfy you yesterday. And you had your fill. 
But what you're not doing is you're not looking for me because of the signs that you saw. The Gospel of John is all about signs. If you read through it, there are tons of them. Jesus is always performing not miracles, but signs. Miracles are like, wow, great job, Jesus. Everybody claps for him, you know? Wonderful. Signs are, did you get the meaning? Signs are, there was a purpose behind the performance. Are you in tune with what's happening? Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see? They weren't looking for him because of, because of what Jesus wanted to do. They, they were looking for Jesus because of what they saw, and that was kind of the end of what they could perceive. They, they had no perception that Jesus could offer them more than what they could imagine in that moment. And what Jesus says is that it, was a, it, it wasn't just a miracle, it was a sign. It was pointing to something greater. You know, it's a, it's a little bit like, you know, this summer we went on vacation to Asheville, North Carolina. Turns out it's a really long ways away. I don't know if you knew this. It says that it takes nine and a half hours. It doesn't. It takes like 12. At least that's, what, uh, that's how much time we were in the car with three kids. <laughs> and um, so we're, we're in the car for all this period of time. Imagine you're getting closer and closer to your destination, and you see a sign that says Asheville 100 miles ahead. Right? I mean, if you're going to a destination, you see previews of what's coming. Now, imagine that we stopped at the road sign and woke our kids up because it's now midnight and said, guess what? We're here. And they're all like, what? What? We're here? You know, and they come scrambling out of the car and it's just vroom, like cars flying by and there's a sign and some trees and some like, you know, debris on the side of the road. And they're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> that would be a bait and switch, right? We stopped at the sign rather than continuing past the sign to what we were really looking for. The thing that the sign promised was coming our way. And this, this is what the, the crowds were doing, thinking that the sign of the bread was the destination instead of continuing on to what the sign pointed to, which is that Jesus is the bread of eternal life that never runs out. The sign was to lead them to the true food, but they're focused on the physical that they got the day before. I love this because Jesus is trying to like bring them back to reality, put them on the right path. He continues to say things and they continue not to get it. You know, I mean, if you ever have a conversation with someone and you're talking on two different levels and you're just like, like right past one another, you're like, I don't think they get it. <laughs> I don't think they're, they're picking up what I'm putting down. Because at one point, Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that lasts. He's, he's telling them, I see your hunger, and I'm ready to meet you in that hunger and to satisfy you. I, I'm not going to hold back from you. Like, I see that you're here. But they're confused. They don't understand. They say, like, well, what, do, what work do we have to do to, to receive this bread? There's, they're, they're not thinking in, like, works righteousness language. That's so often the way that I've read this before. As, as they're trying to work for their salvation. No, they're, they remember what their ancestors did and how they had to go out to the fields and collect the bread. And they're going, if we have to do the same thing, Jesus, let us know. How do we get that bread? And Jesus says, this is the work that you have to do, is to believe in the one 
who, who my Father has sent. It's to listen to me and what I have to tell you. It's to put your trust in my words and not in, um, in the past, not in their actions, not in what's gone before, not in your perceptions of what reality should be or could be, but in what I'm telling you. And again, they miss it. They miss the off-ramp that Jesus is trying to give to them. And they say, well, okay, if we're to believe you, like, what sign are you going to do for us so that we can believe? As if he didn't do something the day before, right? I mean, he had just done something for them. And they're going back and forth, and Jesus is trying to open their eyes, trying to get them to the destination that they're really in need of. And they're just not getting off the highway. They just keep running. So finally, at the end, Jesus says plainly, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, the food that endures is my life, and I give it to you freely. I don't hold back from you. Sometimes because this terminology is so familiar to many of us that have been around the church for long, we miss what Jesus is actually talking about what it could actually mean. Uh, I think what Jesus is talking about is, is the ability to be in union with God himself. To, be, uh, to, to live a life of mutual participation in the very life of God because God's desire, his, his plan, his wish is to be one with us. It's to be one with us. To share himself with us so fully and completely that we, that we sense him, not just near us, but in us. Think of the analogy of the bread. When you eat bread, you bring it into yourself and it becomes one with you, right? And Jesus is trying to change their mindset from bread that passes after a few hours and is gone to bread that lasts. Bread that stays in us and with us and transforms us from the inside out. Gives us eternally and internally the resources that we need to face the challenges that might lay before us. I I don't know um, about you, but I can really relate to just wanting the easy bread. Reading it this week, I saw myself in this crowd way more than I ever have before. Because most of the time, if I'm being honest, I, I just want to feel full. I don't actually want to be better. I don't want the salad that's coming for dinner that's going to make me less driven by my hunger over the course of my life. I want the snack that's going to satisfy me in the moment. I don't want to process what's actually going on inside of me. I don't want to dig beneath the surface to reckon with what I'm actually putting my trust in at the moment. I just want to feel better. So just give me the bread and I'll be better, right? I want to stop feeling the anxiety, the worry, the insufficiency. I just want it to go away. I just want to, I just want it to stop rather than having to turn to another to actually be free of the junk that's causing me to feel that way in the first place. In other words, I want the fast food fix instead of receiving the gift of an unending gourmet meal in Christ. 
Friends, if you feel that way too, there is good news that Jesus is God's ever-present provision for our hunger. Our deepest need is satisfied as we feast on Christ, the bread of life. And this Jesus, he offers himself to you and me right now. Take and eat. I think the truth is every day, all of us, we choose the bread that we'll eat for that day. We experience the hunger that we experience and we look for something to satisfy it, whether that thing is perishable or imperishable. And one of the things that I'm realizing is that our hungers are not something to be avoided or placated because they don't just go away just because you don't look at them. You end up living out of your hunger if you don't look at it, you know? It ends up driving your behavior if you don't satisfy it. And so what that means is actually pausing when you feel empty and asking yourself, like, what is this hunger that I'm really looking to have satisfied? What am I really after? What do I deeply need right now? And how does the bread of life satisfy that need that I have? One of the things that I'm noticing about myself as, I'm, as I do this is that the perishable bread, the bread that doesn't satisfy for me, is the bread of self-reliance. It's the bread of self-reliance. When I'm in that mode of like, why don't I have uh, the energy? Why don't I have the time? Why, 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 why? It's what I want in that moment is to feel like I have what I need without outside intervention. Because the lie that I'm believing in that moment is that being autonomous and insufficient, what I want is sufficiency, but I'm, if I don't get it in and of myself, then the lie that I'm believing is to be, to be autonomous, independent, and insufficient is actually better than to be dependent and disappointed. Do you get that? I would rather let myself down than have someone else let me down. It feels safer for me to trust myself and be frustrated with my own lack than to trust Jesus and other people and be let down. I'm noticing that that bad news is everywhere. And, and, and it needs to be countered <laughs> with some incredibly good news. It doesn't just go away just because I'm like, eh, I don't want to look at that or I... I'll just um, tell myself it'll be okay. No, I need to wake up, and I am starting to wake up to the better news that God actually wants to partner with me, to sustain me, to satisfy me, to walk with me. And He can't do that work in my life if I won't allow Him to, if I continue to be self-reliant and autonomous. I actually have to trust Him and take risks that put me in dependent situations so that he can be the bread of life for me. One of the ways that I'm learning how to do that is, um, is, is turning my whys into wills. This is what I mean by that. Whenever I feel the urge to just like throw my hands up and why, why is this happening? Why don't I have enough? turning that why into a prayer of will. Will you? Will you meet this need that I have? 
Will you give me the time that I need? Or will you teach me that I don't need the time that I think I need? Will you give me the resources? Will you give me the patience? Will you give me yourself? Will, 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 will. To me, that feels risky. But I'm learning that as I do that, Jesus actually has the opportunity to be bread for me when previously I wouldn't have allowed him to do that. What does this stir in you? What kind of bread are you trying to meet your hunger with? What other breads do you look to? What are the perishable things that you snack on when the better meal is before you? Maybe it's um, the security that comes from finances. Maybe it's affirmation from other people or from your job. Maybe it's having connections with certain kinds of friends so you feel like you belong. Maybe it's achievement in your goals according to your timeline on your plan. Maybe it's having life go smoothly without interruption. I'll say this. um, There is a word of caution in here in that sometimes we can think that in order for Jesus to be the bread of life, he has to be the bread in the ways that we're expecting him to feed us. And sometimes Jesus feeds us in ways that are different than the ways that we have in mind. The crowds that follow Jesus across the lake hungry end up walking back around the lake disappointed because he didn't meet their needs in the ways that they wanted him to. And so be ready, be open to the ways that God might want to actually meet your hunger in ways that you didn't anticipate or, that, or in ways that don't feel like good news in the moment. So often I think the good news of the gospel shows up in our life and we perceive it to be bad news because we're so um, fooled by what feels comfortable and safe to us. Yesterday, embracing the good news that God is bread to me in the moment meant actually putting my work down and playing with the ones that were fighting. And to be honest, that was the last thing I wanted to do. <laughs> it was the, I want to draw away from them. I want to get further away. I want to I have more time to myself. And as I like, prayed, like, will you give me the resources? One of the things that God was saying to me is, your children are not the obstacle to your insufficiency. They are the gift that I'm giving to you so that you could live in my sufficiency. I had to say yes to my kids. That was saying yes to Jesus. Now, we can't talk about the bread of life without talking about communion. I'll just say this and then we'll end. The whole reason we come to the table each and every week is because of this. Is because we continually need to feed on Jesus' presence and the mystery that he meets us in unexpected ways. None of us thought to ourselves, like, what I need most is a little piece of bread and a little drop of juice symbolizing Jesus' body and blood in order to, like, remind me that I belong to God and that I have enough. None of us would have come up with that plan (laughs) of being saved. And yet that's that's the offer to us on the table each and every week.
It is God inviting us to come again so that he can speak over us and so that we can speak over one another the ways that God satisfies our hunger and meets our thirst. Jesus himself is the bread, and we are meant to be one with him. That's how we get our, our needs met. Augustine put it this way. He said, Christ is the bread awaiting hunger. Christ is the bread awaiting hun hunger. God is the food, and all we have to do is provide the hunger. That's the work that we, that's, that's the work that's on us to do. <clears throat> that's what believing in Jesus looks like. Faith and belief are identifying our own hunger and bringing it to Jesus who's already waiting for you with the resource of himself. The good news about Jesus being the bread of life is that he continues to give to us because he continues to be with us. We don't need another handout from God because he is the, 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 the embodiment of what we need. And so I just encourage you today to allow Jesus to be a different kind of bread that teaches us what really satisfies. The good news that we proclaim is that Jesus is God's ever-present provision for our hunger. Our deepest need is satisfied as we feed on Christ the bread of life. This Jesus offers himself to you now. Take and eat. Let's pray.